How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, get the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jeff Pelletier. The purpose of our podcast is a simple question. Why is Israel important? Over the next many episodes, my partner Neil Johnson and I will seek to answer this question. There are just barely over 14 million descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the world today, and about 5.5 million of them live in Israel. The rest are scattered across and among the nations. For the sake of our podcast, Israel is both a country and a people. So, Neil, let's get back to our story. In our last episode, we talked about the first three trials of Abraham, and we met Lot, Abraham's nephew, and we saw Abraham pass two out of three trials, right? He passed two out of the three, right? Well, correct. Okay. So in this episode, we're introducing trial number four, and maybe five. We'll see if we get there, right? But uh, before we go to that that trial, I, I want to read and discuss a passage of scripture uh, that concludes Genesis 13 because it helps us answer directly the question that we're all about. Israel, why is the Middle East important? And especially this helps us answer the question why God thinks it's important. Uh, So if God thinks Israel and the Middle East is important, it must be true if we're you know, going to follow God, I would, wouldn't you say? Well, uh, to to those of us who adhere to the documents yeah. as authoritative. Yeah, exactly. So the so a, a, a Christian who calls himself a Christian would would agree that this is that this is important. So I'm just going to read the text and then we'll just discuss it. So Genesis thirteen thirteen. If you want to if you want to get your Bible out, Genesis thirteen thirteen. I'm going to read through eighteen. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, now, this is God talking, not me, (laughs) lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. And for all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. That's a lot of people, folks. So that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. So arise, walk about the land through its length, through its breadth, and I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, 
which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. So, Neil, that's a pretty specific bit of text. It's not very ambiguous. It's pretty straightforward. And what what what, do you, what are your thoughts about it? Well, you are 100% correct that there's no ambiguity there whatsoever. So then it begins, you place uh, uh, what emphasis on that? What does that actually mean? It's straightforward. So now I have to parse it out to say to myself, what is the applicability of this promise to the land? And who is it to? Now, for our purposes, I think it's important that we realize, if you just read that on its face... There are some believers who adhere to the documents as authoritative that, in fact, the descendants uh, have ownership to the land of anybody who calls Abraham father spiritually, because it says you'll have many descendants. However, that uh, second promise here, so this is the second time that Uh, the land has been promised to Abraham and his descendants. Uh, That same promise, God promises multiple, multiple, multiples of times. Mm -hmm. And at various occasions, he lays out the specified geographic location. So here he says, look, basically he's saying, hey, as far as you can look, it's yours, whatever you can see. But then he tells him, walk the land. Now, we've already discussed Mm -hmm. how far Abraham was capable of traveling. A long way. A long way. Mm -hmm. But the multiple promises, Jeff, it's important to realize God gets very specific as he narrows our broad picture. So up till now, we've had a very few chapters of basically just getting us started. Mm-hmm. The first few chapters of Genesis, we're up to chapter 14 or mm-hmm. so now, 13, 14, 15, and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, it becomes the history book entirely of Israel. Mm-hmm. It's the history of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And that's the plan of God. And that's where God multiple times recommits himself to his eternal promise to give it to Abraham and his descendants. But he specifies which descendants, and that's important because our concern for you and I is that there are so many people who either don't know or who are anti-Semitic or replacement people. Yes. They've been taught the church just did away with all the promises. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, Jeff. The curses are still for Israel and the Jews. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah, they get the curses. (laughs) But the blessing is for us. Yeah. But in these uh, reiterations where God uh, reaffirms again the, the commitment he made to Abraham, he goes to Abraham multiples of times. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to Isaac. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to Jacob. Jacob. And then he goes to the children of Israel in the repeating mm-hmm. in various places mm-hmm. in Scripture of that promise. Mm-hmm. So it would be pretty hard to take these initial promises and say, oh, that just meant the church there. See, it said descendants. I'm a descendant of Abraham, which in fact is kind of true. It's well, not untrue. Adopted in, right? Adopted in, yeah, joint heirs sure. to the promise, Absolutely. members of the commonwealth. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. there are specifics mm-hmm. about genealogies mm-hmm. and people groups mm-hmm. and who's who yeah, as far yeah. as specificity. They're not part of us, we're part of them. We're part of them, and, and in different ways, and in different covenants and so on, especially this one, it is to the Jewish people, the Israelites, mm-hmm. the Hebrews, if you mm-hmm. will. 
they are the ones who are to inherit this very specific geographical yes, location. That's what we're talking about, the Correct. land itself. This is one of the yep. covenants yep. that God covenanted. Yep. And at a, one point, we're going to see he swears it with an oath, mm. where God makes a very pointed, one-way, non-revocable commitment to uphold the covenant for eternity, forever, for the ages. Yeah. So, Jeff, not just is the covenant good until Jesus came, mm-hmm. and then he had a schizophrenic episode, yeah. and he became the nice God of the New Testament, yeah. Yeah. and he gave it to this new thing called the church, yeah. and the Gentiles became the yeah. heir, heirs. Yeah. No, no. He said, this cannot be broken. I swear this. This is to Israel and that lineage. So that's important. It's it's vital. It's vital, Neil. So so this is the second time we read about this, you Correct. said, right? Correct. When was the first time? Do you remember? Yeah. So the first promise he makes to Abraham, he actually says he promises the land to Abraham's descendants in uh-huh. Genesis 12. Okay. But now in 13, he expands it and says, to you and your descendants. And later, again, in, in the upcoming chapters, he'll reaffirm that promise in different ways uh, and to different degrees of solemnity with mm. Abraham that I meant what I said, it is to you and your descendants and a specific descendant, not through Ishmael, right? not through spiritual right. people who come into the, the promises of mm-hmm. the covenant made mm-hmm. to Israel and yep. thus the world, yep. but through Isaac and Jacob, Isaac and Jacob. Yeah, it's it's uh, remarkable uh, to me, Neil, that anybody could read the text we just read, plus the other times that it appears, and we're going to read them all. We're going to read them all, guys. So you better get ready for it because we're not going to give up on this. But it's amazing to me how anybody can read uh, Genesis thirteen, thirteen through eighteen, and not come away believing that God made a promise to Abraham and all of his descendants that the land was theirs forever. Yeah, correct. Forever. Correct. I don't know how you can walk away thinking any other thing unless you go allegorical or symbolic or some other kind of spiritualized interpretation of it, right? Well, it's totally okay for me, for people to allegorize or use symbolism. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible is rife with both. Mm -hmm. But uh, as we've talked about before, if you diminish by any degree what the plain and literal says, then you are in danger uh, of getting off track at a minimum. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. here, while I could understand why somebody who is maybe not as versed in all of these promises, could say, well, I'm a descendant, Mm. therefore it's broader than just the Jewish people. I also have rights to that land. Well, maybe in an allegorical, symbolic sense you do as coming into the covenant, but he makes the actual ownership and promise conditional to the lineage through the heir of promise, Isaac, Jacob, and the people of Israel, Mm. through the 12 tribes. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, what I want to do next is I want us to turn our attention to uh, chapter 14 and the number uh, test number four. Do you know someone on your holiday gift list that's looking to cut costs? Consider a Henson Razor. 
Henson razors use quality standard blades that only cost 10 cents each. That means you'll only be spending pennies a month on blades. Compare that to multi-blade cartridges that cost 20 to 30 times more. Over a couple years, that special someone on your list will save hundreds and get a safe and smooth shaving experience along the way. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. So it says at the end of chapter 13, Neil, we learn that Abram's Abram settles in Hebron. Correct. Right? Right. And is that the location at the beginning of 14 uh, when we also learn about the kings? Is it, 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 that's the same location? It's, it's really not the same location, okay. but it's important to uh, understand a bit of the topography and geography of the land. Go right it's ahead. It's very important. Go ahead. So it is not precisely and specifically... But you have to remember, we're also talking about fairly short distances here. So Hebron, from what will become Jerusalem, is only about 20 miles. So Hebron, or Hebron, from uh, the uh, Valley of Siddim, where the actual battle takes place on the well-watered plain of Jordan, which is significant, which Mm -hmm. is where Lot went to Mm -hmm. live in Sodom, Mm -hmm. Uh, is also a very short distance away, but it is not precisely where the battle, that ultimate battle when the four kings defeat other kings on their way to to also subjugate these five rebellious kings of the Mm. fertile plain Mm. of Sodom, Gomorrah, and Mm. so on. So it is a distance away, but it is where Abraham ultimately gets the news. He settles in Hebron. Mm Mm-hmm. And Hebron's a very important place in the Bible, mm-hmm. and it's important in our day. If, if anybody looks at the news, they can see, because one thing that's so important, so significantly important, especially in a spiritual context to believers, is that is where what's called the, the Cave of Machpelah, or the Cave of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs is. So we have buried there Abraham and Sarah, and you read about that later again. Sarah gets buried, and Abraham buys the Cave of Machpelah in Hebron, and also is uh, Isaac and Rebekah, mm-hmm. yeah, and also is Jacob and Leah buried there. Now, just as an interesting twist, but it's interesting, uh, just as an aside, and that is in Jewish understanding, they have traditions, like we all have traditional understandings, and they also claim that in that very location in Hebron, where Avram chose to buy it for Sarah, is where Adam and Eve were buried. So before you say, well, that's just uh, interesting, you know, tradition, but I don't believe it. It could or couldn't be. I agree. However, remember that both Noah and Shem are alive when Abraham is alive. Mm -hmm. If you look at the genealogies, they're there. So in other words, it wouldn't be beyond all reason that Noah or Shem could have spoken to Avram and said, that is where they were buried. So let me ask you this. Um, What's the current dispute about this land? Well, as you just read, that's rife with meaning. That land, to all that he could see and walk, Mm -hmm. is his. Yeah. So So what's the significance of it? Why is it being disputed now is, I guess, my question. And and that comes to our point of why is all of this warfare, slander in the news, Mm -hmm. misrepresentation Mm -hmm. of Israel and the Jews, it is 
from our first broadcast when I kept saying, it's all spiritual, mm-hmm. Jeff. Mm-hmm. We fight a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Israel is the manifestation of that spiritual battle. And it's important to realize, again, that if there is no Israel, if there is no Jerusalem under Jewish suzerainty, if there are no Jews, all of God's promises are to none effect. Ah. So that is what ah. you're seeing, the pushback constantly in all things. That's the spiritual battle. That is the spiritual battle, but it's so easy to watch uh, by us today on yep. TV, yep. and if you're not looking for it, and you can yep. miss yep. that, well, this is exactly what the Scripture said would be the repercussion so let's, of let's, the promise. Let's, let's pause and say that again. It bears repeating. So the the understanding of it as a spiritual battle is because without the Jews, without Israel, if it's not present on the earth— then the promises are of no effect. They are all hinged on the fact there is an identifiable is land called, called Israel, Israel, that there are identifiable people of the promise, not just spiritual heirs, right, but right. the people of the promise yes. through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the tribes, yes. and the eternal city that is called the Bride of Christ So in the New Testament, yes, Jerusalem. Yes, and we are... We are grafted into that, so we are also evidence of it. But without the genetic Jews, we are not grafted into anything. That's entirely correct. Yeah. What are you grafted into if yes. the very foundation of yes. your of your graft is destroyed? It does not exist. Exactly. So, folks, I hope you're listening to this because this is profound to understand the importance of Israel and the Jewish people. That's why the land is being disputed. That's why the Palestinian uh, Authority wants to destroy it. That's why, folks, it's so important to understand. Now, the response is, you know, we can talk about that. That's not the issue here. The issue is there's a real spiritual battle going on here that must be secure and won for this all to go through. For, this, for the end to come. If the end can't even come, if there's no Jerusalem and there's no Israel, because Jesus is coming back to the Mount of Olives as he said he would. So this is very, 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 very important. Yes, correct. All the prophets uh, hinged that return of Messiah for, for us Christians, the return of the Messiah, and coming in his second office as Messiah ben David, a conquering king, uh, in warfare to redeem Jerusalem. But there has to be not just anybody, not just those who call on the name of, as we'll see, as Melchizedek does, El Elyon, God Most High, a title, but Jews, Israelites of the seed of the promise. Without them, it doesn't matter how many other non-Jews are around, hoping for, wishing for, if Satan, the serpent, the adversary, can defeat God's plans, there's nothing to hinge your hope on. Right. There's no, there is no hope by definition. Uh, the, people, the, the people that God says are people who aren't a people, mm-hmm. those people would be 
not to people again, meaning not a life-living people, not a spiritually redeemed people. And everybody would agree that Adolf Hitler was of the devil, I would think. Most people would agree with that, an evil person. And what was his goal? Yeah. To destroy all of the Jews. Yeah. All of them. His goal was all of them. Yeah. It was his final solution to the Jewish problem. And the Jews will be a problem right up, right up till the return of Messiah. They are the stumbling stone. They are the cutting edge. They are the blade of the knife, if you will, the the, uh, very sharp-edged sword that is hard to traverse for us believers. In other words, as you pointed out, I do not have to say that every Jewish person I met is a saint. Right. It's not the point, right? It's not the point. Not at all. The point is that God has a plan, and as we read Scripture, God always judges the nations on one specific thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, God judges immorality, true. Yes, God judges all kinds of sins, thievery, murder. Yes, indeed. But one thing he judges nations on, and we can read it over and over, is how did you treat my people, my people, my people, Mm. Israel. Who are called by my name. By my name. Mm. Uh, It's uh, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Well, who was he talking to? Mm. You will pray for Mm. the peace of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. I am not saying they are all saints, is what God's saying here, Mm -hmm. because he has plenty to say about their waywardness. We can quote God about Israel. I mean, he had a lot lot of negative things to say. And the anti-Semites used that incessantly, but it was in-house criticism, because he was trying to get them to realize their high calling. Exactly. And and that's that's amazing. Well, that was very very time very very well spent, Neil. Uh, we'll of course, folks, revisit that almost every time we talk about the land, and there are going to be many other times as we go forward here. Okay, so let's let's go back to the uh, chapter fourteen. Okay, sure. All right, so I'm going to summarize. Yep. And then I'm going to ask you to validate some of the things I say, and if I'm if I'm off, correct me. And then I want to talk about it. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we learned that four kings decide to take on five kings. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That's the battle of the nine kings. The nine kings. And the four kings actually win eventually. Uh, Hands down. Hands down. Okay. So then there's a fugitive that escapes from, is it from the four kings or the five kings that he escapes from? It's unclear exactly where this man escapes from because, uh, Jeff, uh, as you and I have talked, the the, the showdown is the battle of the nine kings because that involves our main story. But Mm -hmm. as a little bit of background, as terse as the story is Mm -hmm. about this invasion from out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. we're seeing that these four army confederacy they defeated some mighty, mighty people before mm. they ever mm. got to and got arrayed in battle against the five kings. Okay. So we see this was a big this was these a big were, event. These this, guys were, were good fighters. These guys were good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so uh, this fugitive who I'm gonna say he comes from the four kings. Yeah. I'm just gonna go with that. Sure. So he 
Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Comes and he tells Abram. Yeah. That the four kings have Lot. They took Lot. They have Lot. Or Lot. As Lot. you like to yeah, say. Yeah. And his family and their possessions. Right. Took it all. Took it all. The whole household, as they would say. It in the, belonged in the to them. They were the victors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Lot's uh, possessions were substantial. That is very clear. You know, we can miss that sometimes. Mm-hmm. The, the whole reason that Lot uh, uh, parted from Abraham is because Abraham and Lot's men, so you can call them slaves, servants, whatever. Yes, it was a different cultural milieu than today. Whether they would have had anywhere to go or not, so in effect they were slaves or not, it was different. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like being slaves in Egypt. But they were Lot and Avram's men, argued, fought as it were over the resources <laughs> of the wealth mm. of Abraham and Lot. In other words, ah. Lot. We have no uh, picture in Scripture at all. Where in the world did Lot, Lot, get? His wealth. His stuff. Did yeah. Abraham yeah. give it to him? Yeah. Did Pharaoh, when he left Egypt, also give Lot something? What, what, all we can surmise is that Lot was astute and shrewd, mm. and he either had and nursed or developed his wealth to rival Abraham's mm. so that Avram came to him and said, as is Abram's character, yes. Lot, we cannot have a fight between you and I. We are blood. You choose where you would like to go, and whatever you choose first, I'll go a different way so that our vast wealth does not compete. Wow. Wow, what a man. What a guy. And what did Lot do? He looked around and said, (laughs) as is Lot's character over and over and over again. Yeah. Wow, look at that well-watered plain around Sodom yeah, and Gomorrah. Say, yeah. Now, we already know before he chose it. It's we, party we, time. <laughs> we, we had a spoiler alert in chapter 13 that you read that said, Sodom was wicked exceedingly. Exceedingly, and sinners of God. But they were on a very nice uh, place, uh, real estate. Mm-hmm. And Lot took one look at that and said, I can do really well there. I choose it. He voluntarily chose to go among the five cities of the plain to Sodom specifically and dwell there. So that's that's a picture of our friend, our erstwhile friend who later gets to be declared righteous. Right. It's, it's great that we keep uh, pointing that out because it's uh, true what you just said there at the end. So Abram goes after this no good Nick, Lelot. He goes after him. He takes 318 soldiers, he splits them in half, and he does a night raid. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, guerrilla tactics, 
right? It's amazing. It's amazing, right? It, 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 but way before his time, right? Guerrilla attacks. They they do a night raid, and he wins, and he yeah. rescues Lot and his family and all of his possessions. And all of his possessions. All of yeah. his possessions. Yeah. And so after the four kings defeat the five kings, the king of Sodom, right, decides to visit Abram. Right. Right. And before he can get there, right. Before he can even get there, and we don't even know if he actually arrives. I don't think. Maybe we do. Okay. But not at this point, we don't know. This guy named Melchizedek, or as you say, Melchizedek, shows up. Here he is in Genesis. So I think he's referred to a couple of other times. But Melchizedek, king of Salem. So he's the king of Salem. Right, right. Okay. Uh, Where's that? Almost uh, universally, all commentators or expositors on the Bible will say that Salem... Uh was what will be Jerusalem. Jerusalem. There you go. So, okay. So this righteous king... Mystery solved. We have this king who seemingly is well-known, mm-hmm. well-respected. Mm-hmm. Uh, the parties uh, uh, know who he is, yeah. and he's got a title of Malki Tzedek. And he's also a priest of God Most High. He's a priest of a God priest Most High. of God Most High. And Malki Tzedek blessed him and said... Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Now, as I was reading this, I thought, well, that's really cool. Possessor of heaven and earth. That's basically the universe. Correct. Right? Right. That's the universe. Correct. That's all things. Correct. Right? Powerful. And blessed be God Most High. So he's blessing God who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Correct. So Abram now knows why he was successful. Right. Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all he has. Right. And this is the first time we hear about the tenth. About the tenth. About the tenth. Okay, so then the king of Sodom said to Abram, this is where it comes in, right. give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. Correct. So I'm thinking there's a little bit of time that passed between Melchizedek and this king, because we don't hear from Melchizedek after that at all. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. So I'm thinking there's a period of time that's, that's after this blessing, and Abraham has this blessing. And this guy, this king comes t- to uh, barter with him to get the people, or the souls as you call them, uh, and you can have the goods, right? And Abraham said, I have sworn to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. So not only not only does he receive the blessing, he walks out the blessing. He's he it, it added an impact on him. Yeah. He, it absolutely He's quoting did. it to yeah. this king. And uh, in the uh, Hebrew language, you can see that a lot was going on here. The way I read it mm-hmm. is that all of this was happening simultaneously. This is yeah. all part of the event. So, in other yeah. words, that that uh, uh, portion of the of the phrase that says, "Then uh, Avram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything." Uh, that could be a, a, a an out of place comment that that wasn't happening right at that moment, irregardless of when that happened or. Or exactly in what order, the fact is this king offers Avram, this king has no right to offer Avram what he already owns. But he offers him these goods, the riches 
but I want the souls Mm -hmm. of the people. Mm -hmm. And that will become significant later. Mm -hmm. And Abraham then goes on to say, I have sworn by, now here it could be translated in different Bibles, the Lord or different things, but he says here, Melchizedek blesses him in the name of El Elyon, a title, God Mm -hmm. Most High. Yeah. But Abraham uses his name. I've sworn by Yahweh. It's more personal. It's Mm. more direct. It's Mm. not just a title Mm. of somebody. It is who he is. Mm. And Avram says to (laughs) this wicked king, Bera, I will not accept anything from you. Nothing. He will not take a thread or even a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For you fear you would say, I made Abram rich. Correct. He knows his game. Right. He right. knows his game. Exactly. Yeah. We see through history, as we and I have discussed before, everybody wants to be the kingmaker. If I can put the crown on your head, Jeff, mm-hmm. yeah, you can, you can wear the king's crown, but I made you king. And we see that over and over through history. And later, God will tell him, I am your shield and your great reward. That's your title. That's the title Avram gets, shield and great reward. Yeah. And he tells the king of Saddam, I'll take nothing from you. In other words, you're not crowning me with what you have. Well, also, just as an aside here, Jeff, what's interesting, because we kind of allude to this a few times, the place names and the names of people and so on are important. That place where this happened is right around this Jerusalem, Hebron area. Mm -hmm. And it's called the Valley of Shabbat. That is called valley of compromise in other words it's interesting to see that the very place where he is tempted if you will this is a picture of temptation you take all these riches and i'm for it you keep them you be rich richer Mm. avram's already very rich Mm -hmm. but give me the souls Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. you know for people who adhere to the scriptures again all of them old and new uh, Mm. covenant documents that's a very revealing type of the adversary who always bargains, I will give you riches, you give me the souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's mindful of me to the deal that Satan tried to make with Jesus in the desert. Absolutely. It's that's very what, mindful of that. That's what it should do. That's yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and, where yeah. did, and where did Satan make one of those temptations that at least are recorded? So Jesus was there 40 days mm. in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and he... Satan took him at one point to Jerusalem. Yeah. And he brought Showed him up. Him. Well, he brought him up to the, yeah. the pinnacle, it's called. It's called the place of blowing where they blew the shofar from the temple. And he tempted him. So, yes, we, we get all these these portents, these mm-hmm. foreshadowings, these types, these mm-hmm. pictures. And mm-hmm. uh, they all become very uh, interchangeable, interrelated, interwoven, if you will. So, Neil, I just want to also bring to mind something you said previously about Abraham's going. Right. Go for yourself. Right. And if we're paying attention, Correct. we're observing Abram's growth, Abram's development as a person, where you know God is almost step by step revealing things to Abram and giving him experiences. The fact that he won the battle, Melchizedek says it was because of the Lord Most High. Right. You know, That's right. and Abram goes, "Oh, I could have had a V eight. Yeah, you know, he's yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. like, wow, of course it was. Right. You know, I mean, he doesn't say that, but you can just imagine that Abraham would, Abram would be uh, really thankful and grateful uh, that that happened. 
Neil, let me uh, ask you a question that's about Melchizedek. Right. So where does the order of Melchizedek begin? Right. So it's a very ambiguous place. But the order of Melchizedek, who predates the Levitical priesthood, Mm -hmm. starts with Adam. Adam. Adam was in that office, in that order of priests, if you will, made after the image of God. And it came through his family line through Noah Mm. and through Shem. Now, remember, we talked about already that both Noah and Shem were alive Mm. when Noah was alive. Shem was uh, Abram's dad? Shem was the son of... Oh, no, he wasn't his dad. Yeah, that's right. Shem was the son of... Of Noah. Of Noah. Noah had three sons. Abraham came from Shem's line. Yes, mm-hmm. right, right. And you can trace that genealogy. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the thing that's important is that they were both alive. So Avram, Abraham, would have been instructed or at least had discussion at a minimum mm. or at the very least known of Noah and Shem. Of now, course. In Jewish yes. literature and in Jewish thought, I'll just let you know, Jeff, uh, and, and you can look into this, our listeners or whatever. The uh, rabbis and rabbinic thought say that this Melchizedek, who just appears out of nowhere, yeah. was Shem. Mm-hmm. Shem mm-hmm. was that priest at that time mm-hmm. who comes to Avram and says, God bless you, Avram. So we have this character who's well-known, well-respected. We don't know if he was in the battle or not. We just don't know. It doesn't say. But he's right there in the aftermath. He's Mm -hmm. right there when triumphant uh, Avram is going home to Hebron, Mm -hmm. today's Hebron. Mm -hmm. And we see him appear. And uh, like I say, there's extra-biblical writings. And in Jewish thought and in Jewish uh, extra-biblical writings, just meaning the books that aren't in the Bible. Oh, they're commentaries. They're commentaries or or books or whatever. They specifically say that order, that office at that time that appeared to Abraham was Shem. Now, we don't see anything from Shem again till the psalm. Mm Mm-hmm. And until the New Testament Jewish documents that further elaborate, compare, and contrast, mm-hmm. who was this Melchizedek? Mm-hmm. Well, our high priest, who's not after the order of the Levites. Not at all. From Aaron yeah. and the Kohanim, yeah. right? Right. He is after the order or the courses, because all the priests in the temple had different uh, rotational mm-hmm. orders where the different times mm-hmm. they would go in for a certain yeah. stint. You yep. do the priestly functions yep. before God. Uh, the book of Hebrews, which is interesting because it's the book of Hebrews, talking about the fact that the first Hebrew, Abraham, mm-hmm. uh, met Melchizedek and Messiah, Jesus, who will inherit that office of righteous priest, priest king. He is after that same order, mm-hmm. and he it's a better order. Mm. It's a more powerful order. Mm. And it will then be the final and the all-consuming order of Melchizedek, King of Righteousness. So, Neil, something that now becomes relevant to me that heretofore was not relevant to me at all in the New Testament is one of the genealogies of Jesus, I think it's Matthew, begins with Adam. Yeah. Why would they, why would they make it a point, why would Matthew, a Jew, make it a point to, to take Jesus all the way back to Adam? Correct. Why would he do that? Correct. Come on, folks. Correct. You know why. It's because of Melchizedek. He was in the order of Melchizedek, which began with Adam. 
his duties and what he would accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. The New Testament, as it were, picks right up in the very mode of all of the Old Testament, mm-hmm. which is all about genealogy. Yeah, yeah. And genealogies, Jeff, are not bedtime reading so you can get cure your insomnia. Mm. They are trying to give you picture types mm-hmm. or shadows, ideas mm. in the name and in the actions of those people mm. listed in the genealogies. And if, if I'm wrong and it's Luke's genealogy, I apologize. <laughs> I just want to make I just, but I do know that one of the genealogies begins with Adam. Right. And that's why. Correct. Now it makes sense to me. Now I'm going to read it. Because <laughs> I never read it. I mean, yeah, I just uh, yeah. ripped through it because it's easy, you know, it's just a bunch of people's names. That, but no, and I'll bet Shem is in there. Correct. And I'll bet Noah's in there. Correct. Correct. So uh, It's interesting. That, that's, Very interesting. That's why, uh, you know, we as uh, New Testament believers often miss so much of this just uh, very illustrative foundation for our faith because we assume, not necessarily even told, but we assume that has no application to me as a New Testament believer because after all, God started all over again with the new covenant. Of course, it's a brand new thing. We don't need that Jewish stuff. We don't need that Jewish stuff. None of that stuff. Right. It's it's not important. Not at all. So for our purposes, Jeff, it is uh, (laughs) remarkable that the New uh, Testament documents of uh, Hebrews lays out that Jesus, our Messiah, will again inherit that office that we first see here mm-hmm. where he's contrasted with the wicked and he brings out bread and wine mm-hmm. just as Jesus did yeah. at the Passover Seder. Passover Seder. Bread and wine yeah. and he blesses yeah. Avram. Yeah. That that needs to be present Correct. as a ritual for Jesus Jesus to be out of the order of Melchizedek. Right. 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 And bread and wine figured in uh, in, in uh, the elements of, of the faith, uh, you know, yeah, before. They had, yeah. yeah, yeah, they did. But, but they had much deeper meanings than that. Much deeper meanings. And uh, for uh, New Testament believers only who are sort of disengaged from their Jewish, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to say, debt and obligation, which is what Paul says. We owe wow. a debt and a duty in wow. your obligated wow. to the Jew. Wow. Right? Wow. So those of us who... I don't think anybody's ever read that. Yeah. Well, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> we have a duty, a debt, and an obligation, according to Paul, toward the Jews. Mm. Right? Uh, and Paul was really frustrated with those people because they wouldn't listen to anything he said. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but that tells you something, right? That, that tells you something. Yeah. Uh, we all have an order. Mm-hmm. And my order is not to get frustrated with all the people group of Israel or the Jews because of what one or two mm-hmm. may or may not have done. My thinking about what is right or how God looks at things is according to what God says. And so we all have an order. And if Jesus displayed that order or those like things with Melchizedek and giving the bread and the wine at the New Testament and he blessed Israel, I would think that it would be important for us to gain more insight as to those same commonalities that are inherent in a Jewish, if you will, Hebraic, if you will, but God-given understanding of these names, events, places, and so on is recorded in Scripture. One other thing I want to say, and and this might be enough on the subject, but Melchizedek must be from God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Correct. For him to give a blessing in that name. And for Melchizedek to be from Yahweh, as Abraham calls him, to King What's-His-Face from Sodom, right? Uh, Abraham must have believed the same. 
Correct. Right? And right. and he is the most righteous God, and Melchizedek is the king of righteousness. Correct. And Jesus Jesus inherits that crown. Correct. If you like. And people recognized Melchizedek. They didn't dispute, they didn't argue that he had the right or the office or the title mm. of king of righteousness. Yeah king of a very specific location on the globe, Salem, which will be Jerusalem. And in the Hebrew, it's very unclear who gives who the tenth, but the New Testament documents are are examples, Jeff, of jumping back to go forward and go forward to come back. It's further elaborated, clarified, if you will, expanded upon, that Abraham gave the king of righteousness, Melchizedek, a tenth. In other words, he honored the office and the order Absolutely. of yeah. this person, whether it's Shem or whoever, whoever. in the office of Melchizedek, yes. king of Salem, with yes. a tenth. With a tenth. There you yeah. go. There you go. And it was a tenth of quite a bit. Uh, it was enormous. Enormously, yeah. Okay. So, folks, uh, I just want to just want to pause here and, and uh, ask you to think about this uh, because it's a really, really powerful bit of history here and and especially the part about the land i would I, I i ask you to pray about that please this has been a great discussion for this episode of israel why is the middle east important i look forward to how this continues to unfold as you can tell neil and i enjoy talking about the subject as it helps us to get to the root of the matter about god and why israel and the middle east are so important Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at our home at Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? That's Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? And you can find us on Facebook using that same title. And you can email us at whyisthemiddleeastimportant at gmail.com. That's whyisthemiddleeastimportant at gmail.com love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please invite your friends to the conversation. One thing Neil and I always say to each other is, I don't know, because the only way we know is to not know. Once you have it all figured out, you stop learning. And that state of mind is what helps us to learn and grow. We invite you into that journey with us. From Neil Johnson and me, Jeff Pelletier, Shalom and see you next time. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.